You're listening to Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. All right, up first this week, we've got Gabe T. and Carla Music back on the show, and we are talking about all things we've been cooking during quarantine. And then, after that, I call up Christina Che for another round of Over Under. And for those of you who don't remember the first installment with Alex Delaney, uh, here's a quick refresher. Uh, I list about a dozen things, and Che talks about whether they are overrated underrated or just well rated okay here we go gabe t carlo music gabe t welcome back to the bon appetit food cast thanks man it's nice to quote unquote be here <laughs> because we're not actually in the same room together unquote carla how are you doing over there in brooklyn oh you know sunny day birds are chirping it's all good it is. This is like the first time I think we've had like in two months here on the East Coast of like two consecutive days of nice weather, like where it's not 52 and rainy. The weekend was pretty epic. Yeah. We've been sort of in quarantine now for about two months. And I think as trying as these times have been for everyone, I think one of the, I don't know if you call it a silver lining, upside, whatever, is that we've kind of become this nation of home cooks. And personally speaking, I can say without question I've never cooked better food or more consistently than I have in the last eight weeks. And I'm kind of astounded as someone who's a, you know, food industry professional, yada, yada, like how much I've learned and how much I've gotten better as a home cook. And, and I, is that a fair statement, Carla? What's been your take? I have never in my life cooked dinner as many times in a row as I have during quarantine. We've ordered in one time. Yeah. It's interesting because like you and I, you know, worked in a test kitchen together for years, but there are so many days of the week. By the time I get home, it's either too late to make dinner or there are those certain days where you get home and you're just done. And I imagine, Gabe, you can relate to this being in the entertainment industry where you're just emotionally, mentally, physically, you're just spent by the time you walk in your door. It took it took maybe a month for people to become accustomed to this new way of working vis-a-vis Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. My wife and I in the same small space, rolling Zoom calls, screaming over each other, coming up with hand signals, <laughs> waving at each other, giving each other the finger, <laughs> trying to keep each other, trying to tell each other to shush. Both of us not realizing that we are in fact screaming over the Zoom, and. Um, and that's all day, every day, and it's and things didn't really slow down, and now things are really kind of picking up with work. So, yeah, you're on Zoom calls maybe like ten hours a day, and then you got to figure out dinner. So yep. it it definitely it definitely makes you do some planning. And for me, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but obviously sourcing like like Carla I've co- I we ordered in once during this 2 month period and for me the idea of sourcing fresh food has been a ch- super challenge and something that I spent a lot of time doing and something that I realize how much we take for granted our access to yeah. great food and how much thought it really takes now and and I also think about people that don't ha- still have access to the same level of products that we have. And it's ch- actually changed my entire thought process about food, and about sourcing, about groceries, and consumption in general. Yeah, I would say a couple of things. on Logistically, the, the daytime thing is interesting working from home because like, when I'm at home, if I have a window between 2 and 2.30, I'm like, oh, I can start marinating that chicken or I can start prepping this so that when it is time to cook dinner at six o'clock, 
I've already got a lot of that legwork done. But on a regular workday, you, you don't have the ability to do that. So you're kind of starting from scratch every time you get home. And then also, I've never used my freezer this much. And in terms of like, I know we're all making an effort to not go out to the store all the time. So I've actually, this is the first time I use my freezer with all sorts of different frozen prepackaged meats, as opposed to the freezer in the past had always been that thing. I just threw stuff in and never saw again. Like a, the freezer was a graveyard and now it's like a treasure chest, yes. you know, it's like, <laughs> what's in here? Carl, what about you? Cause you're, you're more organized than we are. Have you evolved on that sense in terms of storage and freezing and stuff ingredients? My only complaint is I wish I had a chest freezer or like I, I now I get it like the two fridge households, you know, I wish I had the garage with the other fridge because that holds me back a lot is just feeling like the fridge when I stock up is so full that with the le- between the leftovers, the condiments, the fresh stuff like Gabe is talking about if you're only shopping once every week or 10 days like that 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 space fills up so fast so we've got a cooler out on the back deck and just the rotation of freezer packs into that and it's not a huge one it's like uh it's just an ordinary Coleman cooler but rotating the freezer packs into that and then figuring out what kind of produce will stand up in there. So like citrus is out there and cabbages and things that don't need to be like quite as cold as the other stuff. So it stresses me out a little bit because I, I just really don't want to waste anything, you know? Yeah. We, we, I mean, early on, we, we too have a Coleman cooler on our deck where we put a lot of like greens and, and sort of sturdy vegetables and just kind of keep them cool. But Simone early on in this thing, she bought a chest, freezer like a medium small size medium size one and i thought she was crazy and like being like a bunker mentality you know nuclear war sort of person but it has been absolute game changer and and then i went and bought a bunch of meats from dixon's farm sand and, and chelsea market and individually like one pound packs of ground beef and some ribs and this and that and i've got a list on my phone of everything in that freezer and i sort of adjust it as we go Wow, you're very, that's very organized. Yeah, I've I'm never impressed. been that guy. For me, it's it's been a little bit like roulette as well because we, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get stuff delivered here and try to do as little, you know, IRL shopping as humanly possible. We signed up for a CSA with a, a, a farm in Riverhead, New York and Long Island that uh, processes uh, animals. Uh, it's dairy and also beef and pork in a, in a humane, awesome way. Um, so I was like excited about that. But basically it's, it's, it's roulette. They sent, they, you kind of like order a wish list every week of what you'd like to get. And then they just kind of send you what they've got. And so it's been like, it's been, you know, you open up the package. It's like, okay, what am I doing with, you know, pork loin? I don't really, Mm -hmm. I don't really deal with pork loin. You know what I mean? So that was like, that was like, whoa, here, you know, here we go. Or. You know, now I have an abundance of yogurt. I'm not a big yogurt guy. The other day I was like, oh, pork loin. I've got some yogurt. I'm going to make like gyros. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like, mm. I'm going to like, I've got some cucumbers. I never have cucumbers. I'm going to make some tzatziki. These are like freestyle things that I wouldn't do. I love it takes a global pandemic for Gabe to get cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a thing. It's not a thing that we normally have. I, I don't, I don't love cucumber. I don't know. It's like we don't usually put it in salads <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you got to peel it. It's like, a, I don't 
All right, let's talk about some actual things you've been cooking, <laughs> Carla. Let's start us off. Like, what is something you've cooked in these last several weeks that either you've never done before or that you were just so stoked about how well it turned out? Well, there was one week early on when I really wanted chicken <laughs> and I could not get chicken. Like, it was one of the earlier weeks where everyone, I don't know what, it was like toilet paper, Lysol, and chickens. This was like how the American brain, whole chickens. The American brain is like survival. (laughs) What can I not live without? TP and chicken. So that's like the most American thing in the world. So I wanted a chicken, couldn't get. But the place that I was ordering from had whole ducks. And I was like, well. I've made your duck confit recipe, which I swear by. Um, but I've never, ever cooked a whole duck before. And I personally would be intimidated. So what did, what did you do? Yeah, the thing about a whole duck is like, it's actually terrible to cook whole duck. Right? But I ended, I was like, a bird's a bird, a bird. <laughs> I just have to deal with this. But I knew that roasting a whole duck is actually very problematic the way roasting a whole turkey is problematic. Because the breast and the legs are like on a completely different um, optimal like setting. So when it came, I was kind of annoyed because I was like, Oh Jesus Christ, I forgot about this whole duck. Now I have to butcher it because roasting it whole is actually not a great way to cook it. But then it was this really, um, validating sort of process of being like, first of all, happy that I knew how to butcher a duck. So I was, I was sort of pleased, like it had been a while, but I took the breasts off, I took the legs off, then you have all this fat. So I was separating, you know, keeping the fat, you know, in one area. I had the breasts, I I'd seasoned up the legs to do confit. I scored the fat on the breast in the little crosshatch because that's just really good pan roasted. And then I had a carcass. So in the end, this whole duck gave me stock. I roasted the bones, I made stock. I had um, duck breast one night. We had duck confit another night. And then I just had all of the duck fat, which I put into like everything else that I made for the next three weeks. And it was sort of like what Gabe is saying, this way that you're pushed out of your comfort zone in your ordinary way of shopping, where I ended up buying something because it was what was available and good instead of what I thought I wanted to have. And... It was delicious. Adam, if I can just jump in here. Anecdotally, you know, your story reminds me of one of my very favorite Kanye West tweets um, from the from the tweet from the tweet era in which he said, (laughs) dear flight attendant, thanks for dropping off this water bottle while I was asleep. Now I got to be responsible for this water bottle for the rest of the flight. You know what I mean? That's kind of like, which is one of the greatest, tweet, which is one of the greatest tweets of all time. But that's kind of like what we're talking about. Like, oh, thanks for the thanks for the duck. Now I got to be responsible for this right. duck. I have to yes. deal with it. It was like yes. when I I, we, I was I was building up carnitas night. I was like, oh, we're gonna do carnitas. I went into the fridge. I realized that that beautiful piece of pork shoulder that had been delivered was not in fact pork shoulder. It was a pork loin. <laughs> now what the hell am I gonna do? I went, I went to the freezer. I went to the freezer. I was like, I'm gonna defrost something. I had some big country ribs, St. Louis style ribs in there. Defrosted Yum. those and then whacked them in a, in in uh, to a braise and made carnitas out of out of pork ribs. And it worked and it turned out delicious. And then 
I got to, and then maybe that's Cubans the next day. I don't know. You know, it's like, we got to, we got to stretch these proteins out into multiple meals. Speaking of which, um, the freezer and defrosting, because like I said, I, I go into this chest freezer a lot and I think I'm doing the right technique, Carla. I just take, you know, last night and I'll get to this, like a bunch of boneless chicken breasts, frozen solid. I just submerge them in a big bowl of like room temperature water and kind of let them defrost that way. That's, that is yeah. basically the correct, most expeditious way to defrost things, right? Yeah, you could do that. I think if you were in a restaurant, you would keep a little bit of water running into that bowl. You don't want it to like be in that in-between zone. Um, mm. And once the frozen thing cools the water down, then they're kind of trading back and forth that same temperature. I've done that before where I've, where I've switched out the water because the water gets so cold because of the frozen. Right. Yeah, that's okay. probably the more water-conscious way of doing it. Um, and that is certainly better than like what I do when I forget that I have to make dinner. Because unlike you, I don't have that thought at 2.30 about like, oh yeah, what's dinner going to be? I don't have that thought till like 4.45. Then I end up putting the pork chops on like the warmest part of the kitchen for a couple hours. And that's <laughs> definitely not the best way to do it. All right. Speaking of duck fat, and this is a, a Carla segue. So I got a stewing hen from this farm near here for Passover to make matzo ball soup. And a stewing hen is like an old chicken that's kind of too old to really eat, but it's amazing, makes the richest, darkest broth. And it yielded so much chicken fat, just like two inches on top of the pot of golden schmaltz. And so I skimmed all that off and I had it in the fridge. And then I remembered, I watched your video, which we've talked a lot about now, Gabe, of, of Carla's brothy beans from our guy, Pat Strofer over at Marlowe and Sons. You need more fat than you think. You need more salt than you think. And everyone's like, oh, you can't salt beans during the cooking process. I'm like, yes, you can. So I added salt in the beginning of the process. I put all the schmaltz in there, some olive oil. I put a, you know, onion, garlic, celery, yada, yada. I had pinto beans, um, a lot of water. And then at the end, I added some more fat. They were so freaking good. Like imagine schmaltzy, brothy pinto beans. And I couldn't believe how good they were. And then like the next night, Marlon wanted Chipotle. So we decided to do Chipotle night in America. So I got these, the chicken breasts from the freezer, defrosted those, and then I marinated them. I just did like a soy sauce, neutral oil, garlic, ginger, a little salt, let those hang out, and then seared them off in a super hot skillet. So they got almost like charred on the outside. And in between those, I would always make a point of scraping the skillet. You ever have that, Gabe? Like when you, when you're, if you have something marinated, the, the skillet gets almost too yes. blackened. You know that, that Carla when that happens yes. on the skillet. Yep, scraped it off, hacked that up into little like sort of bites of chicken. We had the brothy beans. We had the caramello tacos, which we also love here at BA and give lots of love so to. So good. Um, More duck fat. So good, Gabe. You love those. So I had a little, you know, dish towel of warm tortillas brothy schmaltzy beans, hacked up chicken, homemade guacamole. And then because Marlon requested it, we had the chips with the um, Tostitos uh, salsa con queso from the jar warmed up on the side. And it was kind of the best <laughs> meal I've ever made. I mean, it really was. It was so satisfying. Every single bite. I just couldn't believe it. And that is something I never would have made back home pre-quarantine because I, I would not have had taken I wouldn't have taken the time to make the beans you know I wouldn't have mm -hmm. had the frozen chicken I don't know it's just one of those things like that afternoon like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that I got schmaltz I got beans in the yada yada and god it was good 
so I'm gonna make these. T- I'm gonna make my own masa. I'm going from uh, that I ordered from Masienda.com, baby, which I saw on the IG. I'm gonna make my own masa. I'm gonna make my own tortillas, and I'm gonna nix them all. Wait, are you gonna nix them all? You're gonna like do the. You're making your own. You set up. Are you serious? No, no, no. They 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 send you the mo- when you order the press. They send you like basically what looks to me like a lifetime supply of masa <laughs> flour that I think you just mix with water. Yeah. So that's going down for the fillings. Some of the aforem- aforementioned pulled pork is still in the fridge. I'm gonna see if that's still viable. We have some. I've Carla. I haven't been really seen a whole chicken in about three weeks. Uh, fantasizing, yeah. fantasizing about a whole chicken and what I'll do with it when I get it. But I do have some thighs, which I was thinking that I could cook down into some kind of a chicken tinga situation. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got some ground beef. And I was like, oh, man, let's just go OG. Let, let me see if I can freestyle some OG, like old El Paso spice yes. mix on some ground yeah. beef tacos, which will make Jules very happy. Do you happy. have any... Do you have any saison by any chance? Goya saison? No, I don't. I don't have saison. No. If you did that with the with the beef, that would be muy delicioso. Carla, you, uh. I, I think, unlike Gabe or me, <laughs> you make desserts. Have you been making anything for either your next cookbook or the family? Anything that you've been stoked about uh, in the last couple of months? It, it's funny. Very little dessert has happened in this house. And I think that that is a good thing. Like, just because if it if it's there, I will eat it all day long. But at a certain point, I got the craving for chocolate chip cookies. It was like the only dessert I really wanted to have in the house. And so I've been on a little bit of a chocolate chip cookie trip. I made the BA's best chocolate chip cookies, which I had had like 3,000 times in the test kitchen. And my first attempt was like, not very successful because they all spread together and became like one giant cookie. So then I had to redo that because I felt like I had let Chris down. Can I just jump in on that front? That, that's interesting, Carla. And I, I think Chris, if you looked at when he developed that recipes for BA's best chocolate chip cookies, and then a lot of the comments, and then he answered and stuff, there are so many variables. It's like, well, your oven says 350, but it might have only been 325. Or if you didn't put it on the right rack, that's going to affect how they spread or don't spread. Or if you if you didn't weigh the flour, like, it's crazy how many of those things can affect the ultimate cookie. Sure. I have an oven thermometer, and I weighed everything out. So I think the only thing I didn't do was he calls for a one and a half ounce scoop to like portion everything out. But then we gave a conversion for tablespoons. I didn't have the right scooper. So I think that's what it was. What I really think is that you can't get eight on a sheet. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I think six is as many as you can get on the sheet without them touching each other. So when I did it the second time, I weighed the batter and then I divided that by, instead of by 16, I divided that by 18 and we did three trays of six. And that was great. But then I made, because I was in the middle of my sourdough journey, but I had not had, my sourdough wasn't mature. I had been told I had weak yeast, which is like the biggest diss I've ever gotten in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Weak yeast. I was like, okay, well, how do you fix that? So I was just like waiting for my sourdough to become hearty. And you 
you discard a lot of what you make every day. So you feed the starter, but in order to feed it, you have to discard like 75% of it. So I started feeling really weird about that because like bread flour was a hard thing to come by and then you're just throwing most of it away and refreshing it. So then I made um, chocolate chip cookies with the discard and that was incredible. Those were delicious. And then I also started using, I hate the word discard also, but that's a whole other story. Then I started using that extra in Cosmo's Power Pancakes, which is a recipe from my book, but that I've been making for Cos for like years. And they've completely transformed the pancake. The pancake has a completely different texture now. And that's been one of the things. You don't have to make bread with your sourdough. You can do all these other things. Gabe, speaking of baking, speaking of dough, you're a pizza enthusiast. You've been on a bit of a journey in terms of your pizza evolution recently. What kind of pizzas you're making? Pan pizza. Pan pizzas. We've got a uh, a GE electric stove here in this house that was that came kind of with the the house and it was the prized possession of the former owners which who were an elderly couple and I think this this stove is probably from 1962 <laughs> without without exaggeration without exaggeration and has been kept brand new and uh, apparently it was the prized possession of the woman that owned this house prior and she said it was incredible for baking. So I said, okay, let's test that. Let's test the metal, as they say. <laughs> um, as it turns out, the stove is a, is a workhorse. It's amazing. It's electric. Stovetop, I'm not so crazy about, as you mm-hmm. can imagine, like the coils. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but inside, that thing gets, it gets ripping hot, and it, and it holds heat. So I have a stone out here. It's not my best stone. So uh, some early pizza uh, vibes with my uh, my guru, Joe Badia's uh, Pizza Camp recipe. Yeah. Um, which, incidentally, I didn't have my book with me. So I was lucky that he went on Instagram and published his dough recipe, not by publishing the recipe, but just by taking pictures of the pages <laughs> of the book, which I thought was like, okay, buddy, great. So now I have to like pin, now I have to like pinch <laughs> up and like, what is this? So I had eh, so, so results with that. So I was like, let me go to my other guru, Anthony Falco, and see what he's talking about. Butter crust pan pizza. Butter um, crust? Did you say butter crust? Butter crust, baby. So he, he's Ooh. got, well, there's, he's, he's got a couple of different published uh, methods for uh, basically like a pizza hut style nice. uh, pan pizza. And it incorporates but unsalted butter into the, into the crust Yeah. Um, and generous buttering of pans and da, 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 da. I made it the other night. Jules said, hands down, it was the best pizza, period, any of any kind that I've ever made. And I could not disagree. The crust was, <laughs> the, the crust was buttery, flaky, crunchy, light as air. Think mm. about a, like the best focaccia you've ever had. And then I did it sort of, I did it sort of Detroit style with uh, cheese on the bottom to the edges. So I got yeah. the cheese crust on the edges and then a sprinkling of a, a lighter sort of sprinkling of sauce on the top. And I, I gotta be honest, I might not go back to the traditional wow. regular pizza. It, it just, it's that good. <laughs> and is that with just regular, like instant yeast? Oh yeah. Um, yep. Can, can, Listeners find Falco's pan pizza recipe anywhere? Yeah, on the internet. 
Like, yes, what should okay. they look for? <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Falco butter pan pizza? Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's out there. And Falco, for you listeners, was a longtime pizzaiola guy at Roberta's in Brooklyn, and now he's a, like this global pizza consultant who literally flies around the world setting up pizza programs for restaurants everywhere. Except not right now. He's he's grounded right now, as is everybody. And yeah. he is pretty active on, on the gram. Yesterday, I was Big doing time. some grilled pizzas, actually for a recipe, upcoming recipe for Epicurious. So I had some grill, grilled pizzas going, also with instant yeast. And uh, Falco slid into my DMs. He said my, my crust looked good. So I felt very, very validated by that. Ooh. Very proud. That's a very good feeling. And I, yeah, I highly recommend that. He's a, he's a great follow for all you Instagram folks out there. Anthony Falco. Uh, definitely follow him if you are big into pizza. Yeah, man. That's, that makes me think about I might just – I might just – try to bait like a follow from him just by putting some, some pizza on Instagram. <laughs> I'm sure I if you put, just... I haven't put anything on Instagram, but I might just try to try to at him and see if I can get a follow. But then he'll, he'll have nothing to follow because you don't post anything. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a slippery slope. Right now I'm happy just trolling. Okay, okay so um, the other day, speaking of projects, Marlon was really hankering for buffalo wings. Like, can we make buffalo wings? So I got like a five-pound frozen block of wings, defrosted them. Hacked, I had to separate them, so I cut them in half from, you know, from the drumettes and, and the flats. And I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I was like, hey, Moni, can we just do like the baked wings, you know? Just like I, I can get them pretty crispy, and, she, and Simone is from Buffalo. And she's like, we are not baking our <laughs> wings. Are you crazy? And I was like, oh, God, okay. I totally got shamed. So I got the big pot of oil. Fried them up. I did like three quarters buffalo style with like half Frank's hot sauce, half melted butter. And then I did some from a, uh, a BA recipe, which was kind of a ginger soy sort of glaze. The buffalo wings were so freaking good. Like I got to say like big meaty wings, deep fried, tossed in the hot sauce. And then we had really good celery and carrots from out here. And chop those up. And I was going to make homemade blue cheese, but Marlon wasn't having that. So I ended up getting this brand, Ken's Blue oh. Cheese, Ken's Steakhouse. Oh, yeah. So good. So, so good. Framingham, Massachusetts, Gabe. And it was like the best dressing I've ever had in my life, period. <laughs> Dipping the hot, crispy wings in that. The carrots, the celery. I was like, oh, I mean, it was almost better than Chipotle night. I feel like all I'm eating here is like wings and Chipotle in quotes, but... Oh my God, these wings were so good. Uh, yeah. It was worth all the fact that my house smelled like a fry factory for a week. Yeah, Adam, it, it's, it's, no, it's been known to be good when you deep fry chicken and then, and then toss it in butter and hot sauce. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Before we go, Emma's given us a signal that we've got to wrap things up shortly. Can we talk drinking? I've been drinking way too much because I've got nothing else to do. Gabe, it feels like you have a more balanced approach. What's, can you talk to us? Well... My first, my first approach, I want to say for the first like two to three weeks, was to drink as much as possible all day, every day, <laughs> until that became <laughs> until that became completely untenable. So you gave now it a I'm good kind run. Of like a week, I gave it a good run, but now I'm kind of like a weekend warrior. I've been trying to uh, work out uh, uh, like three times a week, and on those on the nights before that, it's like a school night basically. So I'm not drinking anything. I'm having seltzers, whatever. Uh, Lacroix. Lacroix is another thing that is 
uh, hugely important. Sourcing LaCroix, how to get <laughs> LaCroix, how to find LaCroix, how to keep LaCroix around on hand has been, I'm, I'm sure just not for me, but for a lot of Americans, kind of job one. That's sort of Jules's main <laughs> job is the sourcing and procurement of, of Pamela Moose LaCroix and making sure we're fully stocked at all times. So that's been helpful. And then Friday night, it's on. We've been in, really enjoying spritz, uh, the house spritz. As the weather warms up, spritzes will become more prevalent. Friday night spritz o'clock has been going down. What is your spritz? What's your go-to spritz You know what spritz my spritz right is? Now? It's my, my go-to spritz is kind of... Um, Kind of a, basically a play on Delaney's spritz, but with more shit in it. But he's got a good Amaro spritz. What, what do you need? Um, you need like two ounces of Amaro, some soda water, and some ice. I've been just putting some putting some Prosecco or wine. You know, if you don't have you don't have Prosecco, some white wine or some rosé wine and some sparkling water. But that's been, you know we've been enjoying it with like vermouth and Amaro as opposed mm. to some of the more sticky sweet kind of aperitivos. Um, So that's, ours has been uh, one ounce of Maletti Amaro, one ounce of really good vermouth, two ounces of wine and a a dash of of sparkling water on top Mm. with a really nice Castle Vetrano olive and a big wedge of lemon. And then sometimes when I'm feeling randy, I'll spike it with some gin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just for shits shits and giggles, yeah. Just, and then, and then with that, and then with that, you know, it's funny, at the beginning of this of this thing, um, our good friend Andrew Tarlos, uh, when I asked him how it was going in terms of, you know, getting foods into, you know, his grocery, he was saying, I- I'm predicting that that people will be short on parm. Mm-hmm. And, and as it turned out, a month later, he was right. I was, like, desperate to find, like, really good parm. So w- when we do have it, I like to crumble some up on a little board with, like, maybe some salty meats and some olives and have spritz with that and that is our friday night like we're blasting off this is our little aperitivo hour it's going to be great and then we're going to make ba's best chicken parm which Mm. by the way just got published i happen to know some people so i was privy to an early uh copy (laughs) of that recipe it's an incredible method for anyone out there will absolutely will change your life in chicken parm if not your life it will change your chicken parm for sure Carl, I would say it's fair to say you're not a big drinker, but when you do drink, you like to do so tastefully. I used to not be a big drinker. Now, you know, things are different now. I think that uh, everybody copes in the way that they cope. And if you don't drink, it's very important to not drink. But if you're drinking, you're drinking. (laughs) So I've been drinking. And at a certain point, like Gabe, I think the first two to three weeks was like, every day is Friday, as far as I can tell. And then that change where it was like, let's just drink on the weekends. But the thing with me is like the weekend starts on Thursday and usually includes Monday. So (laughs) because like on Monday night, sometimes we still have wine left from Sunday. And so the 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 house party line on on Monday is uh, I'll pull that bottle out of the fridge and just say to my husband, I mean, it would be a shame to let it go to waste, you know, because then we have to wait till Thursday again. So we usually finish that on Monday. Yeah, I'll drink spritz, wine. I've been having margaritas the past few days. So last night was a margarita, mezcal margarita, delicious. Lime, salted rim, simple syrup. Ooh. Mm, that sounds good. You know what I would do with that? I would I would make a, like a habanero simple syrup. I'd make a spicy simple syrup yeah. for that bad boy. Why not? I've just been drinking my usual vodka sodas. Too many of them. Gabe, are we allowed to sign off now? Yeah, Emma looks like... 
actually upset at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gabe T, thank you so much. Carla Music, thank you so much. And Emma, thank you for letting us run long. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Christina Che, are you ready for over under? I'm as ready as you can be without having listened to the first one, which I meant to do and I just forgot, actually. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to go through a list of topics, maybe 10, 12 or so, and you just need to decide overrated or underrated, or I suppose you could just do like rated, like properly rated, if you will. Okay, I'm ready. One, putting on pants every morning. Underrated. Really? I'm the opposite. I've just been like become full sweatpant guy lately. Well, I've started putting on jeans every morning when I get ready for the day. And I have truly seen like a a correlation with my at work productivity. It's amazing. Kind of like a level level of professionalism. You're like, all right, it's time to go to work. Yes, exactly. You just have to put you have to build up these fictional structures in your day when you're just living your entire life at home, including your work life. So putting on the jeans is a is a clear demarcation of work versus home. Because okay, then I'll I change like, out of them at like 6 p.m. I like that. Okay. Homemade sourdough. Oh, I guess I would, I was going to say overrated, but I will say rated because it took me about a month of watching my roommate who is making homemade sourdough. It took me about a month of observing her to finally like pique my curiosity and now I just am like reading the sourdough blogs and the Instagrams and it's like a whole thing. I'm really into the theory of it all, but I don't know. I haven't actually made my own loaf yet. So TBD, rated. I mean, it's so variable. Um, I think what's interesting about the pursuit of sourdough perfection is that it's so elusive and every loaf is different. And I feel like people who are into it love it because they never can quite grasp it. I mean, I got to talk to Uncle Andy. Uncle Andy, my brother, is he's been at it for several years now with his quote-unquote cheetah bread as he has branded his make-believe <laughs> bread company. Um, but it is, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like you're always trying something new, something slightly different, and you're trying to figure out why it did this, this, that time and reacted this way that the other time. Uh, the, the one down thing about sourdough bread is you end up eating a lot more bread than you would normally otherwise, I think. This is true. I mean, we've been making one loaf a week, which for me and my two roommates seems just about right. But if we were making, yeah, if we were making two loaves, that would be way too much. All right. Killing Eve season three. Ooh. Ooh, I'm going to say rated, I guess, because I was really into season one. Started watching as much as I could of season two before I got kicked off for not having like an AMC login. So I haven't finished season two, but I was super into it. And then I just fell off. Oh, you haven't. Wait, did you start season three without finishing season two? No, no, no. And so I wouldn't do that. So I have no opinions on season three. I just got really into seasons one and part of season two. So I would imagine like, I don't know what I don't even know what the hype around season three is, but I'm there. I'm here for it. Power through season two. I, I had no idea there was going to be a season three. So I'm going to just go with underrated because this was such a like, wait, there's a I thought it was over. And then all of a sudden it's back. So, all right. Do you think this will be their last season? 
I think it all just depends on how successful shows are, and they just come up with new plot twists just to keep it going these days, which is a little ridiculous. I think most shows have a natural story arc to them, and then they sometimes have to get sort of artificially extended, and that's when shows get a little off the rails. Yeah. Not yeah. not that I'm a showrunner or anything. Okay. <laughs> Rick's Mazatlan Rental. <laughs> I mean, deaf underrated, right? Like, yeah, aren't we I all mean, trying to move there? Well, I just saw the preview photos from his, from an, a top secret upcoming story that he's working on from Mazatlan for us. And it just looks so awesome. And every time I talk to him, he's like, I have no idea what's going on in the world. Like, I can't be bothered by your drama because I'm busy, like, making gorditas and cracking the coconuts that my landlord leaves for me every morning. I, yeah. I just, I'm not even making this shit up. This is, like, actually what he said to me last night. Um, would like to be there right now. Okay. Board games. Overrated. Really? Maybe I'm jealous because I don't really have any, but I don't know. I feel like it kind of took me a long time to realize I'm not really like a game person. Like I've never played Catan. I want to be a game person and I feel like I just don't have the attention span to be one. I see these other families like who have like their beach house with the stacks of games and I'm like, wow, I'd like to do that. And instead I'm just like on my phone looking at Instagram and I feel like a terrible person. But the second you said I don't have the attention span, Emma Wartzman started nodding on her video feed. (laughs) She was like, "Mm -hmm." Um, I will say I have played one fantastic board game in the last year and it's called Ticket to Ride. Hmm. It is a game about building railroads in order to reach sort of destination quests that you get on these cards. And it's very strategic and all about like being able to read people and being able to make decisions with your partner. And it's so fun. And also you, a lot of people can play it at once. I played it with like 10 people. Okay. Ticket to ride. Cleaning house. Underrated. Always need to be cleaning. Oh my gosh. I have not cleaned so much in my entire life and I'm so happy. Right? I feel like, well, two things. I feel like I'm just constantly doing dishes all day, every day. The kitchen, because there's three people in there in our household and three meals a day. And it's just like, it's always in a state of like constant motion of like cleaning, putting things back, using cleaning, putting things back. On Saturday is our big like clean house day with get the vacuum out and really go nose to tail i like it i put a podcast on i just kind of get in the zone i deal with the recycling and you have this like sense of accomplishment once it's all done i will say i mean i agree i think once all the obvious stuff is done like the things i still really don't want to do remain untouched in quarantine like i don't want to deep clean the bathtub Simone has made me do that because she she has a point. She's like, listen, dude, you only do the chores that you like to do. You never do the chores that you don't want to do. And I'm like, well, sure, but those chores still need to get done. So I like to go to the dump. I like to be the guy that cleans out the freezer and the fridge. I like you to have- like to go to the dump. Oh my god, it's the best. I well, she, <laughs> she, there's also the point which I do think there's two different people, and Simone has brought this up. She says to me, she's like, you're neat but you're not clean. And I was like, huh. Like, I like to have things like, not quite the illusion of order, but the presentation of order. I'm not the guy who's going to be cleaning the bottoms of the pots and like the bottoms of the plates and everything. Like, I'm not like a good clean, clean sort of guy. As long as everything looks tidy. Is she the opposite? Is she clean, but not neat? She is clean, but incredibly messy. 
I would be I I am like team Simone. You guys can go make jerseys or something. Okay, next one. <laughs> House plants. Rated. Rated. Hmm. I don't they... know. I'm not a I'm not a plant guy, so I just can't opine at all. Well, you know, like some of my favorite things in the house are actually plants that I've gotten as gifts from friends who've stayed over. Mm-hmm. Um, really a nice move, by the way. Like your friends leave, like they stay for the weekend, they leave. Next day or two days later, you get a plant showing up at your door. It, that's nice. So that is nice. That's not like you feel then obliged to take care of something and you become worried that you're going to kill the plant? Well, I would, except that one of my roommates is an extremely talented gardener. Oh, okay. Plant that, that makes a big difference. Yeah. I, like, I love – when I go to people's houses who have plants that are nice, I get jealous. But then that one time I tried to have a fig tree in my office at work and it just kept on dying as Emma knows over and over and over again. We could never figure out and I felt like a terrible person again. Oh, I remember. I know where that is. It's like dying on 35 right now. <laughs> 35th floor, that is. <laughs> okay. Um, next one. You ready? We got a yes. few more for you, Che. Uh, yes. Your freezer. Oof. I mean, like most underrated spot in the house. <laughs> Talk to me about your freezer. I don't want to give too much away. This is like my whole magnum opus in the September issue. Oh, yeah. You're doing the freezer uh, installment. Okay. Obviously. What's, give me one thing about how you've, how you've gotten closer to your freezer in the last two months than prior. Well... Uh, my freezer now has an accompanying bookmarked Google spreadsheet on my computer that documents every single item I have in there. Wow, a spreadsheet. I just have like a half-assed <laughs> notes uh, entry in my notes on my phone that I forget to update, but I try to update it every few weeks. Well, okay, do, did you hear about Rachel Carton's fridge breaking? No, I heard, I think I heard hearsay, but I don't know the details. Okay, so that's that happened over the weekend. That is like my biggest nightmare of so, what of something that could go wrong in my house during quarantine. Oh, because then all so the freezer terrified. stuff would have to come out. Yes, and so at a certain point, I was like, "Listen, there's way too much shit in here. I have to tone it down. I have to start. I have to stop hoarding things and actually start eating them." So a couple of weeks ago, I started making an informal rule for myself to eat one thing from the freezer a day. <laughs> And now I'm, like, watching. I revisit my spreadsheet every day. It's slowly, like, the number of items is going down. It's so satisfying. Could so you great. imagine three months ago that this would be, like, the highlight of your life on a daily basis, visiting your freezer spreadsheet? <laughs> it's so nice. It's so great. All right, last question, Shay. Bicycle as your only means of transportation. Oh, you actually wrote these, like, for me. <laughs> yes I, <laughs> oh my god you're such that's a nerd so, that's so nice sorry bicycle is my only means of transportation obviously underrated and i think that like not to get all not not to get actually serious about this but i do think that one of the most interesting things that i am paying attention to in news about quarantine as the city considers like next steps in terms of reopening is just this long-standing battle between pedestrian space and cycling space versus car space. You know, Mm. it's like the people who have cars and drive in the city hate like the people who are trying to advocate for more pedestrian space and taking away parking spots and vice versa. You know, like the pedestrian advocates are like cars can go somewhere else. Like 
they don't they don't need to be polluting up our spaces that should but don't be the, don't the and I'm kind of someone who's both, but don't, I, I mean, I have a bike and I walk and I drive here and there, not too often, but I mean, don't the pedestrians have sidewalks already? Yes, but it's like too complicated for this particular podcast segment. I guess <laughs> suffice to say, I have not taken another mode of transportation besides my my own bicycle and my feet. And I have, I mean, I've done so much. I've done everything I could possibly need to on my bike. How many bikes do you own in New York City? I have two. Two. Christina Che, thank you for playing over under. You did a hell of a job. Oh, thank you so much. I have to go get my muffins now. All right. Good luck. Thanks, Che. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Inamine. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.